So today I want to minister, uh, and the message that I have for you is on the bigness of God. And this morning I woke up and I thought, you know, I don't even know if bigness is a real word. So I looked it up real quick and the internet said it was, so we believe what the internet says, so. So it says that it was, so. Um, so I just want to talk to you about the bigness of God and just his, um, his great majesty. And it's a very simple message, um, but Jesus is a really simple message. The gospel is a really simple message, and we can complicate it, but it always comes back to Jesus. So uh, as simple as this message is, I do believe it's going to impact um, today. So, so the bigness of our God, he is beyond our realm of comprehension, beyond our realm of understanding. He knows every detail of your life. He knows every number of hair on your head. To me, okay, I'm a detail person. That's way extreme. Like, come on. Like, who? Cheryl, you do hair. Can you imagine counting? Like, no. No, like, that is the smallest little detail, and our big, big God knows every single one of those little tiny details. He knows the thoughts and the intentions of every person who's ever walked on the earth, and yet he still cares about my cares, and he still cares about my intentions. So even though he's so big and so vast and he knows the hairs on every single one of our heads, he cares individually, uniquely, about each one of us. So he is both everywhere and right here in this moment. And I love that we can't understand him. And some people would say, well, that's pretty ignorant of you, that you don't have a desire to understand God or to figure out God. And it's not that I don't want to understand his character and his ways. But I just think, okay, if you know me at all, you know directions are not my thing. If you put me in my hometown and spun me around enough times, I couldn't find my way home. Do I want a God I can understand? Do I want a God that my limited understanding and knowledge can figure out? That would be really scary. Like, if, if I could wrap it into my brain, I'm not saying I'm not intelligent, but I'm nowhere near <laughs> that, that realm of intelligence. And so um, I don't want a God that I can figure out in that way. And like I said, it's not wrong to seek out the character and the nature of God and to figure out um, and to, to process with him and, and how he does things and his ways. That's good. That's godly. Um, but I don't need to be able to wrap my, wrap my head around the how of everything that he does, that he works all things, say all things together for good. I'll never understand that. And I love that. I love that about God. So he is huge, he's massive, but how does he speak? In a still, small voice. So he's like this big enigma, and I love it. I love it about him. So today I want to kind of zoom out, and I want to look from his perspective, from the, the perspective, as much as we can understand it or can tap into it, zoom out and look at, at a big, big, big God. So, I already said that. So, I want to read a scripture over you, and I don't have the thing up there, so you just have to listen real close. If I read really fast, you just have to listen really fast. So, I just want to read Psalm 139 um, just over every one of you. And it says, You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, Lord, you know it completely. 
You hem me in and in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. Even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely darkness will hide me, and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created me in my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body, All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious are your thoughts towards me. How vast is the sum of them. Where Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. He knows every single detail of our lives, and yet he still cares about them. How many of you have detailed people in your life, and sometimes you're like, I just don't care. Like, that's too many details. He still cares about every single detail of our life from the time we were first conceived in our mother's womb up till now. He cares about our future. He cares about our past. So I just want us to look from that perspective of a big, big God who is bigger than our current. He's bigger than our present. He already has been behind us. He's already been ahead of us. And he still cares about every single detail. And I know when... Uh, when I was younger, because I'm so old and wise and mature now, but when I was younger than I am today, um, in my like late teens, early 20s, um, I was so afraid of making a mistake. Because you know, at, at that time, and not that it's not at other times in our lives, but we're still trying to figure out what our life's going to look like, like what we're going to do, what our occupations, all of that kind of stuff. We're just figuring it out. And I remember um, I still was in that mode. And I think at that time, at that age, and like I said, it's not like you can't go through this later in your life, but it's so like I have to get it right or I'm going to mess it all up. And I just remember that was like so where I was. It was like if I don't choose the right path, then I've, I've left God's grace. I've, le- like I've, I've lost it. I missed it. And it's going to go bad for me. And so uh, that was just kind of where I was. And I just remember the Lord really teaching me in that season. Um, and this scripture, this passage, it was um, the, the specifically the verse that just said, um, even if I make my bed in hell, you are with me. And he just began to teach me that even if I make a wrong turn, what would seem like a wrong turn, a detour, uh, like I said, I'm directionally challenged. I take a lot of detours. So, but even if I were to go the wrong way, he would still be with me. And even if, and if your heart is, is with him and for him and wanting what he wants for your life, how much can you really mess up? So the Lord really taught me in that um, season of my life um, that even if we go the wrong way, he's always faithful and just. He's always faithful to bring us back on course because He cares about us, but he's not worried about us. So 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Cast all your anxiety on him, for he cares for you. How many of you ever go through a day without having a moment of anxiety? If you do, awesome. That's You figured it out. I'm so glad. We need to talk later. But so he says, cast all your anxiety on him. Why? Because he figured it all out? 
because he's going to give you the answers, because he's going to shift it immediately? No, because he cares for us. So we can give it all to him, not because the answer is going to drop in front of us, but because we know the bigger picture, the bigger perspective that we're in his hands, that he's always with us. He'll never leave us or forsake us. And he cares for us. Um, and then Matthew 6, 28, 34 Uh, These are familiar scriptures to a lot of us. And why do you worry about clothes? I don't know. I like clothes. But that's what it says. See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow, is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, ye of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall I eat, or what shall I drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them. He already knows. He's got the big picture in mind. So seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. Therefore, do not, be, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each, trouble has enough, or each day has enough trouble of its own. Um, so there's no space in the bigness of God for worry and anxiety. If we're focused on him and who he is and that he cares for us and that he has already has it all worked out for our good because he said it and because he keeps his word, then there's no space for those little nitpicky worry things. And I'm not saying that if you have worry or anxiety that you're out of God's presence, um, but I'm just saying when we look at the big perspective, when we, when we zoom out of that moment that is so consuming to us that we can't see past it and we see him in all of his majesty and grandeur, that big, big perspective, there's no space left for those little worries and concerns that so often consume our whole life and our whole direction. So I'm realizing that more and more that when a worry comes in, when an anxiety is there, it's not worth the energy. And I know it's way easier to say this than to to live it out. but I just have to be constant and continual about reminding myself, about reminding us of a big, big God and that he's so much bigger than those worries. And then you look at his faithfulness. And if you don't have those moments in your own life, you can look at other people. You can look at the Bible and say, he was faithful then, he'll be faithful now. And it kind of pulls us back out from the molehill that's a mountain in front of us. And it lets us see it for what it really is. So, So often we can get stuck in the big picture or the little picture. So usually there are two kinds of people, um, not to categorize people, but like we can get in these two modes. And one of them is our visionary people. Ruben is a visionary. So we see big, 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 big. And we're like, how am I ever going to accomplish all of this? And so we can get into worry that way. It's like, I see more than I ever know how to accomplish. Or the other side of it is we see all the little tiny details and we can't get past them because they're the, that mountain in front of us. So did you ever hear the phrase, the devil is in the details? Okay, so I'm going to take it out of the context that it's used normally. But a lot of times the devil can be in those little tiny details. Because the truth is that our identity in him is perfect. And we are completely whole, we're lacking nothing, we're complete, we have a sound mind, we have everything that we need, that we have it all in, our, in, in him, in, our, in his identity. When we look in the mirror of who he is, we're perfect, we're whole, 
we're complete. And I've said this before, but have you ever heard the phrase, do they even say this anymore? I know you are, but what am I? Do they still say that, Rosa? I don't know. Yes? Okay. So I've said this before, but a lot of times we say, God, I know you are, but what am I? So instead, the, the phrase should be, I know you are, and so am I. So if I'm looking into a perfect identity of who he is, that's who I am too. I can embrace that as my own because I'm in him and he's in me. So if we think of it that way, there's nothing we can't accomplish. But if we lose sight of that so many times, if, if the enemy can start speaking lies against who you are and against your identity, he will take what is a fortified, strong city and it'll start to crumble because lie by lie by lie, the enemy goes in and digs little holes. I don't know things about construction, but like termites, eventually your foundation's going to crumble. And that's what he does. Just little lies at a time, he goes in and burrows and, and speaks against who you are and speaks against your identity to say that who you are is not really who you are. And so if the enemy can get into the details of your life, he can start breaking all of those things down. Um, so his whole purpose, the enemy, the enemy's whole purpose is to lie to us, right? Every time. He actually never tells the truth. He's incapable of it. And sometimes lying is not just giving false information, but it's causing you to have a false perception of the words. So, so anytime that we're stuck in fear or anxiety or worry or doubt, or we're consumed with something that is causing us to feel not good inside, there's a lie that's come in. So John 8:44 says the devil was a murderer from the beginning not holding to the truth for there was no truth in him when he lies he speaks his native language for he is the liar a liar and the father of lies the thief comes to kill steal and destroy John 10:10 10, 10. so sometimes we can be really really quick um, to cast out a spirit so like if we're feeling afraid or we're feeling anxiety or worry what do we do God has not given us a spirit of fear. Get the, get the thing out. Is that wrong? Is that bad? No, absolutely not. Um, we're supposed to. The Bible says perfect love casts out fear, which means perfect love tells fear where to go. We are supposed to do that. We're supposed to kick those things out. But once they're out, how do we fortify? How do we keep strong a city? So the enemy is out, but how do we keep him from coming back in? Does it mean we have to cast him out over and over and over again? Yes, but also, how can we build up that strength inside of us that he can't actually get in? He can't actually, we don't have to keep casting him out because do you think when Jesus cast out the devil, he was so bold as to come right back? I just think there's, there's some authority there that's going to keep him away. He's not going to want to come, you know, like a mouse. Do you ever see a mouse get, get stuck in a trap? And then they, they didn't get the whole way stuck. Do you think it's coming right back to the trap? No, it's not going to want to live through that. Um, so sometimes we can be really quick to cast out a spirit. But sometimes it's actually a lie inside of us that we're believing that we just need to be aware of and invite truth in. Um, and that's really powerful. So I started doing this in my life. If, if I'm feeling 
Um, yucky, super technical term. If I'm feeling bad inside, how many of you know when you're feeling good and how many of you know when you're feeling bad? Okay, if I'm feeling bad inside continually, I have decided that that is not okay. That's not the person I was created to be, to feel bad. So if there's an anxiety, whatever it is, I might not know what it is. I'm a person that if I'm, not, if I'm in emotional torment or chaos, I want to know what's going on. So I'll seek it out because I just don't have time for that. So I'll, I'll begin to ask the Lord. And I just um, began doing something. And I'll just go to the Lord and I say, God, is there a lie that I'm believing? And he's been so faithful just to point out those little things. And I think there might be a stigma or, or it might seem a little scary to, to think that we've been believing a lie because it seems so true. But who knows the greater truth? He does. So I just began to go to him and say, God, is there a lie that I'm believing? And he just begins to point it out. And this goes beyond just things um, within yourself. It could be anything. It could be, um, um, for example, there was a person that every time I like thought or was around them, I just felt this like uneasiness inside of me. And I just, because that's not okay. Does it mean that that's the person's fault? Not necessarily. And a lot of times we do that and we say, I don't like being around that person because they make me feel like this. And so we can be really quick to say, something's wrong with that person. And not that, you know, we, we create healthy boundaries and we can do things to manage um, our environment, but sometimes it might not actually be the other person. It might be a lie that we're believing about ourselves or about them. And so I just went to God and I said, God, is there a lie that I'm believing about this person? And God said, you don't believe that I know how to teach them because it didn't look the same as the way that he teaches me. And so he pointed that out. And now does that mean instantly when I was around that person, it was okay? No, but now when I feel those things, I can take control of my inner environment. I can take power over what those feelings that are inside of me. And I say, okay, God, I trust that you are the best teacher and then you know how to teach them. And I could release that to God. And that energy that I was using up that every time I was around that person, just, I don't, I don't need to waste that energy anymore. How many of you, your emotional space is important? If you're not in a, in a good, healthy place emotionally, it drains your whole life. I don't have time for that. I just don't. And you don't either. I'm sure of it. We all have lots of things in our, in our lives, in our days. How do you do you want to live in torment or do you want to live in peace? Peace, everybody, please just tell me peace because if you're wanting to live in torment, we need another sermon. Okay, so we want to live in peace. So I just started to ask God, is there a lie that I'm believing? Just as simple as that. It doesn't mean you have to figure it out. You have to like work through all the details because like especially as processors, we can do that like, okay. Was it when I said this word? Is that what made the emotion trigger? When I did this, when they said this? We don't have to go through all of that rigorous process of figuring it out. We can just say, God, is there a lie that I'm believing? And so if it's anything that is causing you to feel internal chaos or discomfort, just start asking the Lord, is there a lie that I'm believing? What is the source of this thing? Because if we can do that and go straight to him, the one who has the biggest perspective, we can save so much of our own energy trying to figure that out. Because the truth makes us free, right? 
So if we want to be free and we're believing lies, what do we want? We want the truth to come in and make us free um, from the inside out. So for example, if you're um, repeatedly um, feeling like, if you, if you just have this like, you never feel like you're saying the right thing. You never feel like you're doing the right thing. Like, like you'll leave a situation, you're like, ah, oh, I should have said something differently. I should have done something differently. I did the wrong thing. I'm always doing the wrong thing. If that's like a, a battle inside of you, like a consistent thing, could there be a lie that you're believing that's, that's preventing you from accessing your sound mind? Or if you are just battling with anxiety and depression and there's just, there's just these cycles that you're going through, could there be a lie somewhere that you're believing that's keeping you from abundant joy and abundant life and perfect love? So um, I think sometimes we just live life and we don't recognize these things are going on and we just say, oh, this is how it is. I just have to work through it. Life's not always perfect. Um, and, you know, it doesn't mean you're going to always feel happy all the time. But... There are things that we can do to really take back our power in our life. And you don't have to live in torment and you don't have to live in chaos because that's not the way we were called to live. So just start to pay attention to the little things. And don't, you don't have to like, don't let it consume your focus. Do it from the bigness of God perspective. So do, zoom out and then see those little, little things and say, okay, God, we're going to deal with this because it's not worth my energy. It's not worth my time. It's not worth what I'm experiencing. So do it with his power, not with your own power. So, so like, for example, how many of you have ever done, like, a detox or a cleanse? And then you, like, start to introduce foods back in and you start to realize what's causing you problems. So, like, a long time ago, my family would know this. I have a triple P. If I eat peanuts pasta or potatoes, it is not well with me. So we start to recognize the foods that we eat naturally that cause us to have internal chaos, cause us problems, whatever those problems would be. I'll leave them to your imagination. But they, they make us feel bad. So how many of you, when we know those things, we try to avoid them? If every time you eat tomatoes, you get awful heartburn, how many of you are like probably going to shy away from tomatoes? Surely you know this well, right? Yeah. So if there's a food that you can't eat, you're going to try to shy away from it. And then if you, like, say it's chocolate, just because, thank you, Jesus, chocolate does not make me feel bad. But if it did, and so sometimes you'd be like, oh, it doesn't matter. I'm going to eat it anyway. You eat it knowing you're probably going to feel bad, right? So you do it at your own risk. So similarly with our physical body, it's the same way with our, our soul and our emotional life. If we, are, if we begin to recognize the things that are coming in and they're causing internal chaos and torment, we don't have to keep eating them. And so before you do those cleanses and before you do the, the tests and things, you don't know what you're taking in that's making you feel bad. But we can start to do that even in our, in our emotional lives and our soul um, and then we can make those adjustments. How many of you feel better when you avoid the foods that make you feel bad? Yes. So same thing. We don't always have to take those in. And have you ever watched a prescription drug commercial? It's like, here's this new drug called blah, 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 because you can never pronounce them. And then it's like the rest of the commercial is the what? The side effects. So we can start to kind of recognize, OK, what are the side effects of what I'm taking in? 
And also, why are there side effects? Because when you're taking a medication, I'm not anti-medication, um, but when you're taking something like that, your natural body's chemistry, it's not natural to it. It's a foreign object. And so it can cause side effects. So similarly, when a lie comes in, it's not part of your, who you are. It's not part of your identity. So it can cause side effects because it doesn't belong there. And your true identity is trying to figure out where this thing belongs. And so eventually we could get used to the side effects and it doesn't bother us anymore. But we don't want to live like that either because we want to live in wholeness and in truth and in who our true identity is. So um, we know the enemy's lies will always kill, steal, and destroy. So that could mean stealing your time, your focus, your energy, your happiness, your relationships, your power. It could mean stealing your peace, stealing your sleep. Anything that's wasting your physical, emotional energy is not of God, right? It's something that's stealing from your life. So it could be the tiniest little thing, and we just don't have to live with those little tiny things. I don't maybe... No, I'm not even going to say maybe. My standards are not too high. <laughs> we don't have to live in torment, in chaos. We don't have to. Um, Romans 12, 2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what is God's will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So we are worth his very, very best. It's not just me. Every single one of you is worth the very best. You're worth living the life that he's created you to live. So that is one way that's an offensive um, way. Do you want to know something funny I just thought of? I, I um, was preparing this message, and I had that on my notes. I said, this is an offensive way to keep the key peace in your life and to keep the enemy out. And I thought, you know, which one is offensive and which one is defensive? So I had to look it up because I know nothing about sports. So just thought you would like to know that. But I was right, offensive. Okay, so to go after it. But how, okay, so then on the flip side, what's a defensive way that we can keep those lies out? So we don't always have to be on the offense. Uh, we can do things defensively to keep our city fortified and strong. Um, so what's a, a thing that we can do? A big, big, big thing is thankfulness. Being thankful. And we can, if we, the more we meditate constantly and continually on who he is, on that bigness of God, on his perspective, the more we can zoom out and take, like, say we're in a moment and we're like, this is all I see. My kid did this and that's all I can see. Or um, this problem happened or this person said this or I don't have enough money, whatever the thing is. If we can, in that moment, zoom out, reset our perspective on who he is, on what he says, on the truth, on our identity, then we begin to focus on who he is, and that kind of resets us into the right perspective. And then suddenly we're looking at what, current, what previously was this big deal, this big mountain in front of us, and we're seeing it for what it is. We're seeing this tiny little thing. How many of you know if you look at something, if you look at an ant through a microscope, like it's gonna look pretty big and pretty scary. How many of you are afraid of an ant? We'll put you through counseling if you said yes. But so the point is the perspective makes a big difference. So what has our attention has our direction. Whatever we're looking at is the, the place that we'll go. That's the direction that we'll go. Um, that's what will consume our life. So 
Where is our attention? Is our attention on the bigness of God, or is it on the smallness of one little thing that could be in front of us? So when we when we seek after who he is and we let him have our attention, um, it protects our peace, it harbors perfect love, it cultivates joy within us, it roots us in hope, it makes us brave, it makes us powerful, and it positions us to stay in the right perspective. Philippians 4, 4 through 8 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So right there is my whole message. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Okay, awesome. Didn't even mean it that way, but good job. So the peace of God will guard your heart and your mind because you're focused on him. And it says, whatever is excellent, whatever is pure, think on these things. Why? Because it's going to keep us in a sound mind. It's going to keep us rightly positioned to do and be who we were created to be. So one thing I do also want to say, it says rejoice always. And I think um, one of the biggest enemies of thanksgiving and of rejoicing is complaining. And I just want us to say complaining, say that you can say this part, say complaining is never worth what it does to my heart. Complaining is poisonous. And the more we do it, the more we are twisting and we're getting our perspective off of what's true and off of what's good, off of what's holy, all of those things, and we're letting that rot inside of us, and it's never worth it. It might feel good in the moment, and like, I'm preaching to myself, like, please, we all complain. Um, But it's never, ever worth what it does to our heart. And so I think the more we can... um, get rid of that propensity to just complain. Anytime we complain, anytime we blame, anytime we make an excuse, we're handing over our power to that thing. And I just don't want to be a person who does that. I don't want to hand over my power to something trivial, something so meaningless um, that I would feel the need to complain about. And so that's another way that you keep, you keep strong your inner self, is you don't allow those things to come in and, and sneak in um, and get your focus on the the wrong thing. So um, I thought, you know, how many of you ever had like a cuss jar or you know what that is? Somebody gets gets caught cursing, swearing, and they got to like pay the cuss jar. So like, what if we did a complaining jar? How many of us would become much more aware of how much we complain, especially if there's other people around? They will help to keep you accountable. I guarantee it. So I just thought that might be a fun way. We won't do it in the church, but you can do it at your own leisure. Some of you are already looking at each other like, I'm going to get all your money. So, um, But I just thought that would be a way to really keep us attentive and keep us accountable to what we're saying. Are we complaining? Because complaining instantly gets our, our mind and our heart off of Thanksgiving. So let's not waste what is good on something so small. And uh, Zig Ziglar, very bluntly, these are his words, not mine. He says, be grateful for what you have and stop complaining. It bores everybody else, does you no good, and it doesn't solve any problems. So, I mean, he said it. 
So I love that it bores everybody else. Nobody cares about your complaining. So let's just stop doing it. Can we say just stop it? Okay. So in love, everybody, just stop it. Okay. We're lowering our perspective every time we complain, every time we take um, something that is so small and give that our attention. It's just not worth it. So on the other hand, um, whenever we put our attention on thanksgiving, on thankfulness, we're bringing it back to who he is. And it shakes our perspective back to the reality of who he is. It gets our mind back on what really matters. Um, so say thankfulness hits my reset button. All right. So I was reading an article on the power of gratitude. It's not a Christian article. Um, it was just science. And they said, what we have learned is that cultivating personal attributes fortifies us during, the, during times of, of adversity and emotional torment. Sorry, let me start over. What we have learned is that cultivating personal attributes fortifies us during times of adversity and emotional turmoil and leads to greater happiness and resilience. Moreover, of all the attributes one can develop, gratitude is most strongly associated with mental health. That's a science article saying gratitude will keep your mind healthier than any of the other personal attributes you could develop. I thought that was pretty powerful. So thankfulness is actually an immune booster for our body and for our soul. So if you ever take vitamins to keep your body strong, thankfulness is like... What's like the vitamin that everybody takes? Vitamin C, vitamin D, whatever it is. Thankfulness is like the critical vitamin to keep your soul healthy. Bill Johnson says, I love this. He says, Thanksgiving enables you to stay aware of God, his presence, and his promise. So how many of you have seen people, especially around Thanksgiving time, they'll do like a thankfulness challenge, like 30 days of thankfulness or something like that. Those things are great. Um, but ultimately, we want that to just be our all the time. So if those things need to be our launching point, if we need to start with a challenge, something like that, you know, do it together, do it in a group, do it in your home, um, just every day. What am I thankful for? And just keep thankfulness before you. Um, both the small things, you know, we can be thankful for every little thing. I love little kids' prayers because, like, when they're first, like, learning how to pray, everything is thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, this, this day will be good. Thank you, Jesus, for my mom. Thank you, Jesus. It's just thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. But I love that, and I don't think that should ever change. So if we can just constantly thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the small things like thank you for this parking spot or thank you that the chicken was on sale this week. But also the bigger things of thank you, God, for your faithfulness. Thank you that you see the beginning from the end. Thank you that um, you have all my days written out. You care about the little things and the big things. And just constantly be aware of our attitude of gratitude. I didn't even mean to. Our attitude of thankfulness. Um, so just always keep that in your perspective. Um, and it's just so powerful. I think it can really just transform um, our lives personally. And it's also going to, how many of you know when you're around someone who does more complaining than Thanksgiving? It can kind of wreck the mood, right? So the opposite, when you're thankful all the time and you're in an area, it's going to transform the people around you, whether they recognize it or not. At the very least, they'll be uncomfortable and not like you. But that doesn't matter. You're the one being thankful. Uh, let it bother them. So the more we can do that, um, the more we're going to be able to keep our focus on him. Um, and I just have been really um, 
kind of reminding myself of what I said before service of and that we'll never have this moment again. We'll never have right now again. So if I can take right now and give that to God, that's a gift I'll never be able to give him again. And so every time I can be thankful, I'm giving him a gift that was unique to that moment. And I just want to keep giving God good gifts because he gives us good gifts on and on and on and on. He'll never stop. And so I don't want to waste moments, not that we're perfect people, but the more I can be aware of it and we can just throw our thanks and praise back on him, every moment is a gift that we're giving up to him. So it's powerful. Um, So in closing, I just want us to read, or I'm going to read and you can repeat after me. These are from a Bill Johnson training, um, but they're just thankful thankfulness decrees and prayers. So if you could just repeat after me, say, Father God, thank you for everything you are doing in my life. I choose to focus on what you are doing. You are active and working. Change my mind, Holy Spirit. Help me to become much more mindful of all the good gifts you are giving me every single day. You are the giver of all good gifts. I thank you for your loving kindness and generosity towards me. We'll do one more. Say, God, thank you for equipping me with the tools that turn what the enemy intends for evil into something good and full of purpose. I want to acknowledge right now that you did not cause the difficult situation I am facing. And I choose to receive your grace to walk through it victoriously. Thank you for your love and commitment to me in every season. You are with me, you are for me, you are bringing me through, and you are arming me with a testimony of your faithfulness. So Father, we just thank you today. God, we put our eyes on a big, 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 big God perspective. Father, and I thank you that you're even going to teach us in your thankfulness. You're going to teach us in your ways of who you are and the care that you have for us, God, that you can be everywhere and right here, God, that you can care about uh, the whole world and you can care about us. Father, I just thank you that uh, as our eyes are focused on you, God, we're going to see the impossible. God, we're not going to be limited by those little things in front of us. We're not going to live in accepting worry and accepting anxiety. God, we're going to live to the standard of identity that you called us into. So God, I just thank you, Father, that you're bringing us up to another level in you. God, you're revealing every lie, God, and you're even releasing the truth that would make us free. So Father, we give you all thanks, all praise, all honor in Jesus' name. Amen.